The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side. And from Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Kurt Dupuy. So we've gotten a bit of a backlog of questions from the audience. So we're going to do a mailbag episode today. And this can't be overstated how integral this feedback is to, and these questions are to, to our vision, what, what we want from this. So, so thank you in advance for all the questions. But before we get into that, um, Steve, you've done a little research, but been doing some surveys. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I jumped into uh, a team huddle survey and I encourage you if there's anything, any topics that you guys want to know about, say, hey, I want to see what other financial professionals are doing, tell us and we'll survey it. So I sent it out to a few hundred of, uh, of our members of our community. And the, uh, the question was this, do you use team huddles? And if so, are they important to you? The way it broke down is the vast, vast, vast majority of people use team huddles, 87%. The frequency of those huddles, most people are doing it uh, weekly, 46%. 23% are doing it multiple times a week, which is kind of interesting. Another 23 do it daily, uh, wow. and 8% do it less. So what we can conclude from that is most people are doing it, and most people are doing it often, which I guess is probably not too surprising. Would you have guessed that? How did those numbers hit you, Kurt? I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, that distribution of frequency. I mean, I, I think it makes everyone's going to have a huddle if they're part of a team. But yeah, I guess the next iteration is how you structure that and what do you, what do you actually talk about? What's covered in huddle versus kind of on the fly? We asked, do you have either no agenda where you come in and just everyone starts talking or just go through outstanding items? Or do you have something that's much more robust than, than, than that? And 62% said they had a more robust agenda. So they have, hmm. it was only 38 that came in and either just talked or just talk about uh, outstanding items. And and I'll share a couple of other things, Kurt, while, while we have a few minutes here before the mailbag, just some things I found interesting. One was absolutely came shining through is how important these team huddles are. You yeah. Know? Um, in terms of efficiency and execution, and all those things, I know I personally thought that that think that they're really important, but certainly the folks that are doing it feel that way as well. The second thing I think was interesting was very few people mentioned within their team huddles that they use a pipeline. I cannot encourage everyone listening enough to incorporate a pipeline in your team huddles. That doesn't mean- What kind of pipeline are you talking about? Business development pipeline. Hmm. And we have a template for that, that you can reach out to us. I mean, there's nothing magical about a pipeline. The, the, the key point is that it keeps you focused on business development and who you're supposed to be in front of and how you're shepherding people through the funnel. That's right. What's the life cycle of your prospects? And if it's empty, by the way, and you have nothing in your pipeline, that also tells you something too. So I, I don't think this is something you bring in daily. This is probably a weekly thing. Interesting. I got to give you some props too, because I saw some of the results of this. And I think folks that participated, you might've already shared, but for folks that did not participate, you put together some really cool, what are they called? Word clouds and yeah, the details like, of it. That's right. Yeah. So, I've been playing around with word clouds. Oh so, my, yeah, you, you're, yeah. You're getting next level on me, man. Yeah. I, it's kind of, it turns out for those who have never built a word cloud, and I should describe it just in case anyone doesn't know. A word cloud takes a bunch of data of, of you know text 
And it makes, the more something is mentioned, the bigger that word shows up. But it turns out it's pretty easy to create a word cloud. Kind of cool yeah. stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say, if you want to see the word cloud and kind of get some insights, feel free to reach out to us, uh, the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com. All right, cool. Excellent. We'll be right back with the next segment with the mailbag, which I am really excited about. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. All right. We are back. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Mailbags might be my second favorite thing that we do on this show. My first What's favorite first? being if we have some kind of real, which I think all of our guests so far have been, we've got a really excellent guest that I get to interact with and ask questions. I love that. Um, but but yeah, mailbags are, mailbags are not far below that. I really enjoy them. So, but we want to keep this lively. This is not going to be all serious. Kurt and I wanted to just come with a couple of, maybe one question each that's a little bit, just sort of loosen it up. Yeah. So I want to take the other side of the coin uh, with something we did recently talking about really bad meetings yeah. uh, that we've all had. I want to flip that around though. Do you remember, I, I mean, I, I've got several that come to mind, but first meeting that you walked in and it was just, it could not have gone better, whether, you know, whether they end up doing business or not, what, you can use whatever criteria you'd like, but what, do you have a, a story about having an awesome first meeting? Yes. Uh, there, I mean, there's a bunch of them that come to mind. Actually, why don't you lead the way here? And I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go after that. Okay. Walked in this guy's office. He's a, he's independent. So kind of had his own house office, which was pretty cool. It was decorated like a house, big leather chairs. And the guy is in Birmingham, Alabama, could not have been nicer. We sat down on his big leather chairs. And you know, when you just start talking to someone and you're just like, I just like this person. Yeah. Uh, just on, yep. on a, on a basic human level, like this person, he's interesting. He's articulate. I could probably learn a ton from this guy. So the, it was going great talking about no business at all. So that, you know, that's, that's always a good start. Um, but then we concluded with him telling me that he had just gone on um, like a rum journeyman trip through the Caribbean. Is that right? And going to all these rum distilleries. Wow. So then of course we had to partake and he had to explain, you know, what the different types of rums, where they came from and um, the, just the differences to. between them. There was no I, choice, but it's, uh, it's my obligation to It's your to obligation. Partake. Yeah. It would have just been uh, rude if you didn't. Yeah. Correct. And I'm, I'm a nice guy. So really interesting guy, um, uh, does a little bit of business that is, that's always good. Um, learned a ton about rum, learned a ton about life like that. It, it was a great meeting and those, that's a really fun part of the job, right? You never know what you're walking into, but when you walk into one of those, you, you walk out being like, man, this is great. That just made my day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's like the meetings that come to mind as you go in and say, okay, the person I'm going to see is a legit financial professional. Like, like really, you know, that this person High is functioning. somebody you want to know, and it's your first meeting and you go in there and we don't lead with product. We know when we get to that point, we, you know, we're usually able to help people, but we come with this consulting practice management stuff. And when that clicks, when someone says, Hey, I'm working through this. And you're like, like then all of a sudden, you know, that you can add a boatload of value. Yeah. There's that rush that comes into it where you're just like, I can't wait to help this guy do what he just said he wants to do. And that's, that's what gets me. That's what keeps me going in this industry. Because I, I'll tell you, if it was just um, walking in and sort of reviewing investments and fact sheets, I, I couldn't, I, I, 
I couldn't do this job for that long. I just, I I mean, I could do it for five years or, you know, but, but I, but it's those engagements that really kind of get me up in the morning, you know, I'm with you. Well, because it's for, I'm, I'm a, a personable person. Like I, I, I really love, I'm a, I'm a textbook extrovert. I love people. And so like being able to pivot from product to a more consultative discovery, it just, it's a whole new avenue. And then when it, when it works well, to your point, that helps the relationship, which is what it's all about. It's just, it's, it builds this, it's this ecosystem. It's this matrix of just everything clicking and working well together beautifully. That's awesome. All right. I got one for you. And I didn't prepare an answer for myself because I just thought I was going to throw this question at you. Hit me. I would like to, um, for you to share, you can either choose something about yourself or an embarrassing story or something that went about you that would give us a chuckle if we knew it. How if people knew they would laugh or chuckle a little bit. Any of that come to mind? You got to have an embarrassing story. Well, so, so I, I just tell you the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. This is actually from my childhood. Uh, teenagers. I was, I was probably, probably like mid-teens. And I was with youth group at, at, a, at a, you know, a church thing. And uh, the girl that I was crushing on at the time was sitting right next to me. This, this, this little redheaded number. Um, and... <laughs> There was this guy who like we're buddies with. It was actually a very uh, kind of love-hate relationship kind of with, with this guy who also had a thing for her, was sitting behind me. And at some point during the service, it's like we're teenagers, right? Like there's no rhyme or reason why this would happen um, or someone would think to do this. He pantsed me. Oh, my God. Right in the middle of the service. Oh and my God. I was petrified. I mean, I, I tend to roll with the punches and pretty, pretty smooth and even keeled guy. I was so freaking embarrassed. Was it the kind of thing where it was just you and the people around you saw it or did the whole place turn around to see this pants? I mean, there's probably 50 people in there and over half realized what was going on. <laughs> so, uh, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, that, I, I mean, I'm sure I can think of many more recent, but, but when, just when you just say embarrassing moment, like top. Top five of my life. That's, that's up there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, this is good. I'll have to prepare my embarrassing story for next for next time because Oh, you're just gonna make me share and you're just gonna uh, you know, right off in the sunset. I, I think Yeah, I, I gotta think about this one because some of the ones that are coming to mind right now are not podcast friendly. So <laughs> so, uh, so uh maybe I'll come the next time we do a mailbag. I'll commit to you and the audience that I will lead with uh, with an embarrassing story or something Perfect. about myself. So stay tuned. I'm going to hold All you right, to guys, that. Let's get into the mailbag. Um, so what Kurt and I are going to do, we're going to share these questions. I'll share some, have Kurt answer, vice versa. There's some of these questions that we're going to want your feedback on as well. Because yeah. we've done the research, but there's no substitute from getting feedback from, from our community. If you're on our distribution list, uh, you'll see these questions come to you and we look forward to, to you answering as well. But we'll start one. Kurt from Ke- from Keenan uh, up in Eureka, uh, he is struggling with time management. And the thing that I always recommend to people and I recommend to him is time blocking. But he says it's really not working. Like as much as he hmm. tries to time block, that always gets violated. He's always working on a bunch of things. He always gets interrupted. So what do you do when time blocking doesn't seem to work? 
Uh, and th- this is a great question um, b- because I, big time blocking guy here. I am not well equipped for deep things on a regular basis if there are distractions around. So I have to time block. I have to lock my office door. If it doesn't work though, I'm, I'm trying to think of what must be so important that you let the time block fail. So if if a, an immediate client thing comes up with, it's just difficult for me to imagine that it can't wait an hour or two, uh, yeah. you know, whatever the time block is, even if you articulate to your clients, your, your type of service, like, you know, we'll, we'll be within you within 24 hours. Well, if you blocked off a couple hours, you still got 22 hours. Yeah. If you're time blocking for something that's important, it's tough to imagine something that's more important coming, coming through and, and breaking that up. Yeah, that what I was going to say about it is I would not abandon the time block. I'd do a better job of protecting the time block. So that yeah. means, you know, <laughs> a much shorter way to say my long-winded exam. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean that. That what does that mean? That means get turn your email off. Have your phone sent to voicemail. Tell your assistants do not disturb me during this time. And I think you just got to, you know. To Kurt's point, most things can wait. And your assistant could tell you if an emergency comes through, but sure. most things are not emergencies. And so, yeah, Keenan, I would say uh, protect- Stick your, the time block, just protect Just protect it. it. Yep. Cool. Um, all right. I got, I got one for you. It's a, a two-parter from Rick. So implementing a service model, what do CSAs do as part of this? And, and, and kind of following up to that- how many touches do you think about for like a tiered service model, A, B, and C? Yeah. So commercial, if you have not listened to our first couple episodes on building a service model and that's of interest, go listen to that. That's want to say that up front. Um, and what I would say to this question is CSAs may be more critical to this process than even you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. You've designed the model, which is you segmented, you've decided, you've determined the types of what you basically want your client experience to be. And that's broken down by the types of touches and number of touches. But then you've got to do the implementation and the processes of how these get done. And your CSA should be the quarterback for that. Whatever that process is, bring it to me a month in advance so I could do it. And they kind of own that process and ensure that that it gets done. The other thing about it is some of those contacts they're going to be doing. There's also the inbound client experience that you got to think about as well. Anything you want to add on that, Kurt? Yeah. The, well, the analogy that we talk about is kind of the is is the pyramid or going to the dentist office, right? Like you you see the dentist for three out of the forty five minutes, right. right? Because they're they're that point person. They're the highly specialized person. It's the scheduler, and then it's like the 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 dental hygienist. Like you you see other support characters, and I I think that's a helpful way to think about um, a well executed service model for, for a financial professional's practice. Yep. Yeah. I, it, the dentist analogy is just so perfect. So the second part of the question is how many touches for A, B, C, D clients? You know, you can get some generic feedback, like the Supernova book will say 1242, which is monthly contacts for client reviews to in person. You should think about this another way, which is what do you want your client experience to look like when you think about those A clients and you think about the best way to interact with them in a year and design that, that then back into the number of contacts. I start with the client experience and I work backwards. All right, let's get to the next question, which is from Doug F. in Oakland. And I must say, I don't know if we can use last names or not in this, Kurt, in this podcast. Probably better not. I won't, but um, 
anyone who's Oakland, who's around Oakland will know my, my friend Doug F and I will, I, I don't think it's possible that we can have a mailbag uh, without him. Right. He's no. just Dougie Dugs. He's, he's going to be up in there. Yeah. We, we love the interaction, Doug, please keep it coming. He's got a two partner here. The first one is at what point do we need to recruit another team member to manage a growing practice? We talked about, about this a little bit in a prior episode and in, in terms of how to think about adding folks, but Kurt, you can, you know, share your latest thoughts there. The second part of the question is how to, how can each team member maintain a reasonable work life balance? Um, well, so the first one is easier because we've built a calculator to help figure this out. So what the calculator does is it assumes how much time it takes to service clients. And from, from our analysis, that's about 61% of, of an advisor's time. The other 39 is prospecting, trading meetings. So we kind of break down all of those different elements, how much time they take. And how much time is in a year? There's 1,625 market hours in a year. And we spit out a number. Do you do you have capacity? Do you have time or do you not? And so if you can't tinker with any of those numbers and, you know, I, I don't know, change how you service clients, change how you trade, change how you prospect. But once you figure out all those inputs, you can figure out really pretty quickly how much time's left over. And if you have time, then great. If you don't, you either need to change your systems or you need to hire someone. There's really, it's a pretty clear black and white approach to to, to think through that. Yeah, and I'll share. People do overthink this. You know, there's this has there's always a hesitancy, especially if it's coming out of your own pocket, to 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 hire people and to create that extra cost. But I will tell you this: in most cases, you get the right person. Um, you're not going to regret doing it. And the other way that you can think about it is just do a time log of your day to day. And if you find yourself doing stuff, I give this, this is a, a quote from someone in our, um, our community, Elizabeth out in uh, Walnut Creek. If you find stuff, you're doing stuff that you are not uniquely qualified to do, then maybe you should hire someone so you can free up your time to do the things that you are uniquely, uniquely qualified to do. Man, the second part about uh, you know, how can each team, team member have reasonable work-life balance? That's a tough one. I mean, I, I would defer back to the calculator and you that, can kind of figure out where. That's what I would where, say. Yeah. But yeah, you, you got to log because you got to know what, how you are spending your time so you can have that conversation. And then you just got to talk about it. And you have to communicate well. The other thing I would say is there's um there's two types of cultures when it comes to unplugging. And I bring vacations into this too. So when I think yeah. about work-life, it's vacations. There are the type of cultures where vacations are almost, I'm not going to say frowned upon because at this day and age, it's not that, but, but where it's like not really highly encouraged. And when the person is on vacation, no one's stepping up to backfill them and they're still getting their emails from other members, other team that that's not, you know, that's, that's what erodes work-life balance. On the other end, if we say, Hey, as a team, vacations are important to us. Our time off is important to us. So when this happens, here's how the team supports and steps up and fills that gap. Another question from Mr. Darian. They're just looking for advisors experience with running the practice during a pandemic. Kind of, I think it's, unless someone's been around a hundred years, that's everyone's first pandemic to work through. Maybe just some thoughts, successes, failures, mistakes, lessons learned. Uh, what are people doing differently? You got any thoughts there? What are you hearing from folks? Yeah. And this is the one, when we started talking about this segment, we said, we're going to pose it to the community. I want to do 
a broad study of our community. You'll hear from Kurt and I. Um, we want to get your feedback on 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 how you know reflecting back on what you've done from the 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 pandemic, the successes and failures. But let me let me sort of share a couple of my observations. What the best teams are doing right now are not treating this like it's temporary. In other words, there are some teams that come and they're like, okay, we're just going to kind of string this together until we get back in the office. And there are some teams that are saying, okay, this is a really good opportunity for us to be able to solidify our processes digitally. And I think that's that's just a, a wonderful way to look at it. The second thing I would say is they are you know, they're taking advantage of the situation in terms of understanding that this is a dislocation event. And what happens in dislocation events is it is a catalyst for change, i.e. there's business to be had right now. We're seeing it in our business with money in motion. There are clients to be had right now. So don't use this as an excuse to say, oh, we're not in this frame of mind. I can't do prospecting and business development. Absolutely not. This is an ideal time and the best teams are doing that right now. And the last thing I would say is, um, they're still servicing their clients. And this goes back to the processes thing. They're figuring out how to do these touches, even though some of them may not be in, in person. And I'm sure there's going to be some, some challenges and some learnings from that. But I, I suspect that the teams that are doing the three things that I just described are going to have some things that they bring back that, that's going to better their practice even when things normalize. I think that's great. Yeah. And just anecdotally to, to that first point, um, I've had conversations with folks that never would have expected them to embrace the work from home, but yet even when their offices have opened up or partially opened up, you know, they've got their home office set up and they're, yeah. they're going in sparingly, um, if at all. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think people that are taking this as a long-term view and this is kind of here to stay and there's going to be some permanent changes here. Um, I think that's a, a awesome point. Yeah, there's 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 a reason that a lot of these uh, tech companies are doing so well right now is because it basically it, it, it accelerated their the momentum towards some of those technologies. And I got I got good news for everybody. Some of those technologies are pretty cool and they can make your life better. Um, okay, so let's keep moving along. This is from Scott S. And this is a regarding the podcast as a whole. This is gonna he's asking us to self reflect a little bit here, Kurt. Okay. Um, in public, in public, yeah, uh, lay it all out there. Um, we're not allowed to to edit this part of our response. I, I'm committed to. Okay, he says regarding the podcast, uh, has it been successful thus far? Um, reflecting, would you give it a grade? What would you do differently, and what has surprised you? And I'm very interested in your responses on this, Kurt, because we have not talked about this. Oh man. Um, okay, so out the out the gates, I'd give us a grade of uh, fairly strong. I, I probably a solid B. Yeah, um, a B. That's not that strong, but you know. Well, I was a B student, so for for, for me, B is B is it's, pretty strong. It's, it's as high as it gets. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. B is a um, yeah. no, but, but but when you consider uh, our our metrics for grading, which is really in, engagement. Uh, with with our community, then you know I'd, I'd give us really good marks there. Um, I think the numbers, and I, I know you don't like to look at the numbers, but the numbers have also surprised to the upside. So that's been that's a fringe benefit. But the fact that uh, like last night, j- just last night, um, I, I was talking to someone and they were saying, "Hey, love the podcast. I, I I don't know anybody else that's doing this. What you guys are putting out there is fantastic." Um, those comments keep keep me going with it. So. Um, 
Yeah. So maybe A minus. Okay, I'll bump it up to A minus. There we go. Yeah, we're we're gonna do some grade inflation. I think that's what they do in schools now. <laughs> you know, when I was going to school, I think they didn't. You know, they did. They had no issue about giving you C's and D's. But I guess with kids today, it's all A's and B's or something. There's no, you know, it's everyone. That can work. Everyone gets that a trophy. World. Yeah. You know, well, I I give you the other. What would you do differently though? What What about that question? Yeah, I, I'm going to address that. Let me let me um, first make one more comment. I do think that it's been successful thus far, but I think what happens over the next six months to a year is going to determine the success level because we've got this incredible foundation that we've got to build off of, and I really kind of want to see that acceleration. And so, um, so happy to be building this show with you all, and uh, just really, re I don't know, I'm just really excited about what we're doing here. You know. It feels good to innovate. It feels good to think outside the box. And the best comment that I get happened last night. Um, uh, my, my friend out in Grass Valley, Dylan, sent me an email. I, I think I forwarded you, to you, Kurt. But he's like, yeah, you guys just sound like you sound like real podcasters. You sound like, you know, that's the, you know, you sound like you're not just two idiots and that trying to figure this out. Like you sound legit, like, like podcasters. Oh. And that, that gets me all fired up, you know, when someone says that How, you must love that. Right. I, I, I do. I, I love the innovation thing. I love the collaboration that you and I have had just yeah. uh, because we have different yet complementary personalities and viewpoints, I think. Yeah. And seeing that grow along with, and, and then seeing other people enjoy that too. Even internally, we get a lot of good feedback. It's, it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah. You almost wonder if like, there's got to be something bad because of all the good, you know, <laughs> like that's my pessimism. Anyway, I was going to say that's, I, I don't think that at all. What, what, what would you do differently? I think if I listened to our earliest episodes, I think they were good, but I would, I always appreciate the episodes more when Kurt and I are doing something kind of fun, when we let our personalities come out, when we're joking around, Yeah, you know, we sort of around episode three, four said after we did kind of a fun segment, we kind of said, Hey, that, that's, that felt good. And then when you listen back to it, hey, that sounded good. Yeah, we want to help you with your client service model, but you're not going to listen to us for an hour talk about segmentation. You know, we, we want you to get some enjoyment out of this. So I think that's my immediate response. I'm, there's certainly other things I'm sure that we could do differently and would do differently, but that's, that's, that's top of mind. How would you respond? Well, yeah, so we were, we were treating this as an educational kind of podcast at, at the beginning, um, which is kind of arrogant to begin with. And I, I think we just realized we have more fun and it seems like we get better feedback when it's less rigid. And so we've embraced that. And you might've also noticed that episodes are longer because of it. You're right. Like we're, yeah. we're not just trying to compact into 15 minutes in and out, boom, boom, boom. Um, just pure business. We, we think, we think it's important to have some banter um, and the, the sacrifices episodes are a little bit longer, which um, from the feedback that I've heard is a trade-off most people are, are okay with. Yeah. Originally we said under 30 minutes and we just cannot do yeah, we that. We keep blowing that away. We just cannot. Um, so the last part of that question is, is what has surprised you? Is Have you covered that or is there anything else you would say that's surprising? Yeah, all, all of it is. I mean, when you have a new idea and you're doing something that you don't really know. You don't. None of our peers are, are are doing something like this. You don't have anything to benchmark yourself against. So, what surprised me is that people are giving us really good feedback regularly. And what surprises me is that 
people listen to this and they think we actually know what we're talking about. So that's- yeah. <laughs> We fooled uh, them all. We fooled I, them all. Well, that's thanks to the editing team for that. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny when someone comes and they're like, man, you guys sound like- you know, you just have everything worked out perfectly before. I'm like, yeah, you can make her sound pretty good when you record an hour and a half of audio and trim it down to 40 minutes. I get a lot less trouble with my wife if I could do that. Um, <laughs> so moving on. So this is, this is a question from Mr. Rick B. If you had someone doing marketing for you, what would you have them do? LinkedIn, mailers, et cetera. What would you have them do? Yeah, I, I, there's two kind of ways that you can approach that. The first is think about it. It's a little bit of an older school way of just doing the things that you don't want to do anymore. So cold calls and filling seminars and doing LinkedIn. I mean, that's one way to think about it. I don't want to be overly negative to that because I have seen it work. But I think what's more important to me is that you think about, okay, what are the strategies, the specific strategies that I want to do for business development? What are those things? And then from there, figure out where someone could come in to fill a gap for you within those strategies. Okay. And let's just cover one more question. There's a bunch we didn't get to, but we'll do the mailbag again. This is another one from our friend, Doug F. How do you deliver a truly thoughtful educational experience for your clients? The word that is emphasized here is thoughtful. And so then the next question that I, I ask myself is what's thoughtful about it? Is the content thoughtful or is it thoughtful to the client? Meaning like, is it catered to the client? Does the client have a feeling that you are catering to them? You are curating this for them. And, and I think that's what I would emphasize is that clients will know something's thoughtful when they feel like it's tailored to them. Like when it's presented in a slow manner, like when you show them something, not just telling them something, when you help them separate the signal and the noise, right? Like all these things that you're probably doing intuitively with the net effect of, making them feel as though you're really thinking about their education and care about your education. Is that, is that a, like a, a crazy way to think about it? No. And I think the way that I was thinking about it is pretty complimentary to that. So, so the way that I see a lot of financial professionals do it today is say, okay, our firm puts out all this material. We've got these external partners. Let's just get a list of everything that, that we could potentially use and then pick the ones that we like. You can do it that way. I would flip that on its head. <laughs> Again, I'm, this is a theme with me, but I, I would design the end first. What do our clients really want to know? What would they benefit from? And then figuring out a way to get there. And maybe not all of that is pre-approved slides, but there's ways that you can present and have discussions that don't have to be pre-approved slides. So think about the end in mind. Think about what your clients want. Survey them. So that's the kind of the way that I would think about it. Uh, we've run out of time on this segment. We are going to come back with our Costanza Corner. This is The Whole Truth. Stick with us. And welcome back, everybody. We are in our George Costanza Corner, our uplifting segment. Kurt, do you want to remind people, because you know we, we told people why we called this the Costanza Corner. I think every once in a while, it's reasonable to say why we call our uplifting segment Costanza Corner. So why don't you refresh the Yeah, good, good, fair point. So if you remember that episode where uh, um, George figures out when he tells a joke, people laugh. If he leaves, people think of him more fondly. We're really just trying to, to do the same thing with you guys, is that you think of us more fondly because we're going to end on a high note versus a Frank Costanza sort of angle, which we actually we've, we've sort of done as well, yeah. which is a more 
very hyper negative, very dark and gloomy kind of persona, which we're trying to uh, avoid here. Well, so, that, to be fair, though, um, that reminds me, we got to get another Just Stop It going soon. So um, that's, that may be my favorite segment. Yeah, get, look, getting you ranting. <laughs> look forward to that soon. But yes, uh, George Costanza, Kruger Enterprises, conference room, leaving on a high note. That's what this segment's about. Kurt, you are up, my friend. Yeah, I am. Right, so I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do is... I'm going to break your heart and then I'm going to melt your heart. Wow. Are you, you ready? I feel like I need like Prozac or something. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I, I found the story of this kid and it's a seven-year-old kid uh, who apparently got bullied a bunch. And listen to this quote. This is where I'm going to break your heart. After I was bullied, I felt a darkness inside of me. I knew I didn't want other kids to feel the same way. So I asked my mom if she could help me spread love and positivity and the more I gave back to my community, the more I wanted to keep doing it. Wow. So what this kid did was, first of all, he used his own money to buy things for people in need. He put together little packages for elderly folks in his community. Then his mom helped him set up a GoFundMe page. It went crazy. And now they have sent not one, but two 53-foot trailers to people in need in their community. A warehouse gave them a little space to store all the stuff and they've just been collecting money. People are sending them stuff from uh, his Amazon wish list, all of these non-perishables for, for people in need, uh, particularly, I think I think they're up, up north for the winter. So seven-year-old kid took a bad situation, turned it positive, said, you know what? I'm not gonna do what other people are doing to me. I'm gonna leave the world a better place. And he's sending literally truckloads of goods to people in need. How cool is that? That is really cool. I thought they were better these days. When I say they, I don't even know. My wife's a school teacher, so I probably should ask her this Who question. Is they? <laughs> but but I thought like they were they undefined they are good at are, are better these days about bullying in terms of stopping it and understanding the psychological implications of it. But I guess you just well, can't better, you can't stop it. It's, better doesn't mean eradication. That's right. Uh, and then you have like all the social media stuff. Yeah. Man, my kids are young still. I'm not dealing with this, but I'm scared to death about that. Can you imagine if like you're if your kid's in pain because someone's picking on them? I mean, just like that's 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 a, a stake through the, through the heart right there. I mean, that's that's yeah. brutal. Um, but but it is an uplifting thing. You know, I think at this point it's proven scientifically. I think that's true. I don't know if this is true, but I think this is I th true. I think I know where you're going and I think you're right. That putting positivity out there uh, makes your life better. And, and and helping people, giving back to other people uh, helps. is proven to increase happiness. Yeah. So like measurable, measurably. It's a reminder and it's and, and you got to keep reminding yourself of these things because for some people, including myself, it's just not natural to just go out and be like super Mr. Happy, but, but you can choose that path, you know? Mm -hmm. Every day. Awesome. Yeah. So this kid, uh, his his Twitter handle, if you want some positivity in your social media feed as well, is Cool Dope Living, which I also thought was funny. Pretty, so at pretty Cool epic. Dope Living. Follow him there. You can see um, some of the other campaigns that he's working on and the good he's doing in the world. Awesome. Great one, Kurt. We will see you next time. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. 
Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.